Man, I don't know how I'm going to get all this done this year. Man, I've been coming to this church for 31 years, and I still have too much to do. I don't know if I can get it all done this year or not. This is overwhelming. Man. If I do that, I'm going to do that hey, next Bill. week. Bill! Where did you come from? I've been with you for 30 years now. Oh, man. Remember when you knelt and invited me into your life? And yes. So, I remember in those early days, boy, we used to just, I mean, you would spend those 15, 20 minutes every day, and we would just love on each other. And yeah, those were good boy, times. those were amazing. It seems yeah. like as you've gotten older, you've gotten busier, and, and somehow you've got yeah. all bogged down, and you're carrying yeah. a lot of luggage that I never yeah. intended for you to carry. There's a lot of demands. This, there's I mean, 2020 things to do this year alone for the church. I want to tell you, Bill, all that stuff will bog you down and get you to say. miss the most important thing. Hmm. You know, I know you've had a rough year. I know there's been a lot going on. I know you've questioned my love. You've questioned where I am hmm. in all those dark moments. Yep. But I want you to know, Bill, I was there all the time. Hmm. And nothing has come your way that I didn't know about. And I just want you to know that you need to use all your strength. Remember how many times I whispered in your ear, use all your strength. And when I did that, somehow you started doing more stuff. I thought I had to work harder. No. You only use all of your strength when you ask me to help. Oh. You know, I remember those days when we used to walk side by side. And it seems like for a long time I've been walking behind you. You kind of put me on the back burner of your mm. life. I want you to know how much I love you. And I know you've got things going on. I know you're a work in progress. But that's, that's why I love you. I love you. Nothing you could do could make me love you more. Nor I want to say that anything that you fail will never make you, me love you less. I need that. I love you so much. I want to just take this burden. You're going to take I've that? been wanting to take this for a long time. Oh, but goodness. you never really gave me that opportunity. And I took all that on the cross when I died for mm -hmm. you. And all this yeah. list of My things. List too? Yeah, the pastor has been keeping you way too busy. I'll say. Yeah. Maybe you need to talk to him. Yeah, well, he's a, he's a hard nut to crack. <laughs> yeah. I just want to tell you I love you. Mm -hmm. And I hope 2020, I want to tell you, you're going to face some tough times. Mm -hmm. But I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Mm -hmm. And I hope we have a love relationship like we haven't ever had. That's Amen. my prayer. Amen. Let's go off together, man. Thank I, you, Jesus. It's good I remember, to see you. Remember that time, man, that you stopped and helped that gal on alongside the road? Yeah. I was so pleased. Almost got ran over. Yeah, that, I was really pleased with that. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm the one that kept Jesus that car Jesus loves me. Yes, I know.
Well, Happy New Year to everyone. It's about four or five days late. Yeah. It's great to see you. I love the worship. I love the worship. Just get back there. And just, I can't wait for heaven. How many of y'all made a New Year's resolution? All four of you. Okay, very good. How many of you pretty much given up? Yeah, it's kind of a work in progress. Well, done some research, and according to them, the top six New Year's resolutions, I don't know where they get these at, but the lists are similar. I've looked at, I don't know how many different lists, so I got tired of looking at lists, but these are the top six, and so if you haven't made a resolution, how many of you would think one of these might be on your New Year's resolution? So more family and friend time, quit bad habits, spend less, save more, Get more organized, lose weight, exercise more, diet, eat healthier, supposedly 71% of people. How many of you would have one of those on your top six? Now you're coming clean, all right? And so anyway, I, I'm being honest, I don't, I don't always make a list either. But driving here today, and I should have thought of this before today, but driving here today, it kind of dawned on me, I'm surprised in all the lists I've looked through this week that I didn't find building a relationship with God on the top 10 of any list. That's sad, really. And the sad thing was, I didn't even think about it until I was driving to church. I should have thought about it as I was looking through the list. But y'all want to say to you, of all the things we could do, and I think it's okay to step back, it's okay to set some goals, but you know, the most important thing, again, is that personal love relationship with God. I also found this stat, again, I don't know how, how re real it is or how accurate, but they say only 40% of Americans make New Year's resolutions. The other 60% were here today, all right? So most of us did, did not make New Year's resolutions, and that's okay. And that, again, I don't know where they got this, but according to them, about 80% of the resolutions are broken by the middle of February. We make it six months, six weeks, I mean, six weeks. Now, let me give you, I'm just giving you some personal advice here. This doesn't cost you anything. It's not in the Bible. But if you're looking to buy some exercise equipment, wait till March. Wait till March. <laughs> what I have found is people will buy Cadillac equipment, and then by the middle of February or late February, they realize they're not going to use it. And in March, when you go to garage sales, I mean, there is some really nice stuff that they've been using to hang clothes so if you're looking for some good exercise equipment, wait till March. That's my tip to you. Just a personal tip for me to you, all right? And so here's some I share with you about every year. But here's some resolutions that you can keep. It's always good to have a couple, all right? So let's read together. Eat more chocolate. Take more naps. Complete a marathon in my car. Fast six hours a day. For me, it's usually 11 p.m. to 5 a.m., all right? I try to discipline my body and keep it in subjection every day, all right? And here's a few more. I'm waiting for the thing to click. We're waiting. We're waiting now. We're waiting. There it goes. Get older. Gain two pounds. Check my eyelids for pinholes while Roger's preaching. Laugh more. It's always good to have a couple things on there that you feel really confident about, all right? And so anyway, hopefully one of those you can grab onto and hold onto. 
But again, it's good to step back and think about our life. And so 2020, kind of a new chapter begins. It's always a time to kind of reset our life. I don't think there's any one certain time to do it. But y'all, on this journey we're on, it's a never-ending journey, a never-ending process. It's always good to step back at some time and evaluate. How many of you remember the back in the days when they had the maps, the old paper maps? How many can remember that far back? All right. But every once in a while... When your wife knows you're lost, and you keep saying, I've got this, honey, I've got this. Every once in a while, you got to pull over and look at the map to see where you are. Well, today I want us to kind of pull over, open up the map, and to see where we are in the process, all right? And so the early church, and we've talked about this, the early church was referred to as the way, all right? Not Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. But they were referred to as the way. And that word means a road. It's also interpreted a road, a highway, a journey. And it applies a never-ending process. I just want to remind you, this journey we're on, it's a never-ending process. It will end one day when this earth suit gives up and I eject out of this earth suit and go be with the Lord. But until then, I just want to remind you that we as Christians are a work in progress, all right? It's a continual work. But again, we need to step back at times and ask ourselves, are we keeping the main thing the main thing? Are we really giving our time and our energy to what's really important to God? And so I just want to kind of kind of lay out here for you that life, the Christian life, always begins at Calvary. That's why I got the cross here at the beginning. The Christian life and eternal life always begins for all of us at the foot of the cross when we accept Christ into our life. Let's read together from John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so real life, I mean real eternal life, always begins at Calvary, all right? And so Job makes a couple statements that I quote quite often because life, this journey we're on, is difficult. And so I love how Job says it in Job 5 7. Let's read together. Man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. I mean, it's coming. Heartache, valleys, storms, life. Is difficult. And then he says in uh, Job 14, verse 1, man's days are short and full of trouble. I mean, I wish I could tell you 2020, it's going to be mountaintop, mountaintop, mountaintop. But I'm going to be honest, boy, there's going to be a lot of things we don't know, a lot of storms, a lot of valleys. But I want to remind you that that one thing that comes your way has not already gone through the heart of God. And sometimes it's these storms and these valleys that sometimes we try to avoid are the very things that help us to draw on the strength of God in our life. And so life is difficult. Life is a process. But again, I think it's a time to kind of reset our priorities. At some point, and I put a, a a headstone down there, a tombstone. At some point on this journey, unless the Lord comes back, I'm going to eject out of this earth suit. Uh, yesterday, I had the privilege of doing a funeral service for Ken Matlock. Ken was a great brother. And, you know, January 1st of this year, January 1st, he stepped out of his earth suit to go be with the Lord. As I thought about that, you know, I think about 2020 being a new chapter of our life. Life is made up of a series 
of chapters. And, you know, sometimes we'll go through something, our chapter changes. But I thought about that when I was preaching his funeral. I thought he went through the ultimate change when he ejected out of his earth suit to go be with the Lord. What a new chapter for Ken. I mean, woo, he was having a good time. And I just want to remind you, the obvious, you guys are going to live forever. You're going to exist forever. I mean, a hundred years from this morning, you're still going to be alive. A thousand years from today, you're still going to be alive. You're either going to be alive in the presence of God, which we call eternal life, or you're going to exist in the lake of fire, which the Bible refers to as the second death. But you're going to exist forever. The earth suit doesn't make it that long. And the older I get, the more excited I am that I get to turn this whole thing in. I am glad, I am glad that this life is not eternal. That would be tough, amen, to live in these old earth suits forever. But one day, the Bible says we have an appointed time to die. Unless Jesus comes back, we all have that appointed time that we're going to step out of these earth suits and go be with the Lord as a believer. And I love how James says, the body without the spirit is dead. And so what we call death is not an end of life. Just understand that. What we call death is just the spirit ejecting out of the earth suit. Now some of you kind of are excited about your earth suits. And I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm going to be glad to get a new one. Amen. Get a spiritual body. All right. I'll be excited. And so 2 Corinthians 5.8 says it this way. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so I, I always think when I have the privilege of doing a brother or sister's funeral, I always think what it must have been like when they said goodbye to us and that next instant was saying hello to Jesus. Wow. Whew. I mean, that had, what a moment that must have been for them to see God face to face, to see him in his Shekinah glory, and to realize that he loved us so much that he was willing to come and take on an earth suit. He was willing to die rather than live without us. That's crazy. God loves us so much. It's just so incredible. And so when we think about this journey we're on, again, it's so very fast. James says it in James chapter uh, 4, verse 14. Life is like a vapor that appears for just a moment and then gone. Isn't it crazy how fast life goes? And I know we've talked about it before. And, and again, I've shared. I don't know who told me this. may have been one of you. But said life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the bottom, the faster it spins. <laughs> I am really spinning right now, all right? So anyway, and have you ever noticed this, that old age always gets older as you get older? Have you ever noticed that? I'm 63, which I was an old, really old at one point. Now I feel it is very young. I think we should still be in the young married. But Brenda told me many years ago, honey, we're no longer in the young married. That was been a many, 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 many years ago, all right? But anyway, if life is short, if life is certain, again, we need to step back and just kind of evaluate and reset the priorities of our life. So in 2020 begins a new chapter. What will 2020 look like in your life? Here's what I know I can pretty much say with authority from God's word. It's going to have some tough times. It will not be the same. A year from now, this crowd will not be the same. Some of us may be in the presence of God. 
Some of us may be in different chapters of our life, but we know we have this moment. But life is a series of chapters, again, as we talked about, all right? So kind of important to remember. I read this. Somebody sent this. I don't know who it was. may have been somebody here. But they said you can't start a new chapter in your life if you keep rereading your past one. And so as I thought about that and thought about my message, 2020 starts a new chapter in our life. And I believe that if we're going to live it to the fullest, we have to, first of all, let some things go in the past. And a lot of us, like Bill, are carrying around a lot of luggage, a lot of baggage. Now, you can't see it. But if if God could somehow show us in the spiritual realm, I think we would be shocked how much baggage is being carried here that God never intended for us to carry. I believe God wants us again to enjoy his presence and to let him help us along the journey, all right? And so some of the things I just want to talk about quickly is, first of all, past failures. I know that everyone here has fallen and missed the mark at some point. Unforgiveness is another thing we struggle with, and then pride. All right, so just real quickly, I want to talk about these. First of all, past failures. One thing I know about you that I know about me that I know about all of us, none of us are perfect. We all stumble. We all fall. And in this process, none of us have it all together. None of us will have it all together until we step on the other side. I think I said in the middle service, uh, if you're here When I die, I hope there's a sign on my casket that says, construction is complete. Thank you for your patience. (laughs) But as long as I'm alive, as long as you see Roger walking around, you're going to say, that guy's got problems. He's not the perfect pastor. You are correct. You are correct. None of us are perfect. All right? But I love what the writer of Hebrews says. It says that God does not remember our sins. And again, I can't tell you how many people have beat themselves up and beat themselves up and beat themselves up because of their failures in the past. God knew that you were a mess. God knew that you were a work in progress. That makes his love even greater. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says as he's comparing the old covenant with the new covenant. And the old covenant never did do away with sin. It just kind of covered it till the next year, till they made more sacrifices and they made more sacrifices. And the reason they had to keep making sacrifices is because sin was never taken care of. But the reason Jesus died once and only once is he not only forgave, but he forgot and sin is gone forever in the believer. Yeah, let me back up. I got excited and I hit the forward button. All right, whoa, back, 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 back. All right, there we go. What? Is Brenda doing that? It's got like a five-second delay. All right, here we go. Woo! I thought I was going to have to stop and talk to my wife up there. I do. I think I've said this, but I carry this around in my pocket on Sunday mornings. And when we're doing the songs, if I hit this button, it forwards the slide. And Brendan was going, what's wrong with this computer? It keeps jumping ahead. All right. So let's read out of uh, Hebrews 8. Let's read together. 
I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. What? Can that be true? Can that really be true that God chooses to not only forgive, but to never remember anymore? That's why the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgression. That's why I say many times, one of my passions is, I hope you never define yourself as nothing but an old sinner saved by grace. That's not what the Bible says. I challenge you, I dog, double dog dare you to give me all the verses in the New Testament that describe you as a nothing but an old sinner saved by grace. But I can show you 57 verses that say you are a saint. And you say, well, I, I could never, how many of you, if you went into work tomorrow and said, I just discovered a church, I'm a saint. <laughs> but it is true. And see, we look at a saint as somebody who's perfect, but the Bible, the word saint means someone who has been set apart for God's use. And I'm going to tell you, when you got saved, God set you apart from the world, and you're pretty special to God. And if, if, I, if you say, if I go into work and say I'm a saint, people will think I'm bragging. You are bragging, but not about you, but about God. Some of y'all are going to get it when you're going home. You're going to have to pull over. You're going to have a spell. All right. Romans 4, Paul says this. He's quoting from David in the Old Testament, a man after God's own heart. And yet David had to constantly deal with sin. Because sin was never taken away in the Old Testament. They just had to keep offering sacrifices, which the writer of Hebrews says could never, ever take away sin. Never, ever. But David said one day he knew that when the Messiah came and died, one day sin would forever not only be forgiven but forgotten. He says in Romans 4, let's read together, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. He will never, ever put sin in your bank account. In the Amplified Bible it says this, Blessed and happy and favored is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account nor charge against him. And I know I say this, but if I got up and said, you guys are nothing but old sinners, I'd get a lot of amens. But if I tell you you're a saint, you're a child of God, that God doesn't see you in that. Jesus took care of it on Calvary. I want to tell you, it's, it's unbelievable that God would look at us and see us in love. And I know Bill talked about having a list. Can I tell you, I've lived probably most of my life with a list. And I thought to myself, if I could just perform more, God would love me. If I could get more involved in the community, if I could get more involved in church, if I could just do more, do more, do more, God would love me. Let me say this about the love of God. You can absolutely not do one thing that would make him love you more. Nor can you so stumble that he would love you less. I've always been told that God's love is unconditional. They said, agape love, it's unconditional. Then why do we put so much conditions on God's love? Can I tell you, most of us think God thinks about us the way we think about ourselves. That's a lie of the devil. And when you experience the love of God, I want to tell you, your life will change. You will be changed more by the love of God than you will trying to live up to all the rules and regulations. Guarantee it.
All right, let's get going. Unforgiveness. I, I just want to say that in life, I know people get surprised in church when they're offended. People will occasionally say to me, Pastor, I cannot believe I've been offended. Why not? Jesus said it's impossible, but that offenses will come. I'm going to tell you, if you're up and living, you're going to be offended by somebody. But God allows us to be offended so we can extend to them the same thing God extended to us, and that's forgiveness. How many of you ever said, I want to be like God? I want to be like God. Well, okay. He's going to let somebody rub you the wrong way to give you a chance to exercise that. Ouch. Come on. It's getting quiet. So in Matthew 6, the reason I know unforgiveness is so tough, right after the, what we call the model prayer or the Lord's prayer, and it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. But the only thing in the model prayer or the Lord's prayer that Jesus expounded on was this matter of unforgiveness. Right after he gave the model prayer, he could have said anything about any of it. It all would have been good. But the very next thing he said was, let's read together. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I think Jesus knew that this thing of forgiveness was so difficult. And so he made a comment about that. Of all the things in the Lord's Prayer, that was the one thing that he made a comment about. And then there was uh, math, uh, G, uh, Peter in Matthew chapter 18. I'm waiting for it to forward at any minute. I'll probably go two ahead. But in Matthew 18 is when Peter came to Jesus and he said, Pete, Lord, how often do I have to forgive my brother? Up to seven times? I think he had already forgiven his brother seven times and he was hoping Jesus would say, sick him. <laughs> how many of you have ever wanted to get even in Jesus' name? Of course. How many of you ever wanted to call fire down like Peter and John on the city of Samaria? Aren't you glad God doesn't answer those prayers? We would all be in heaven this morning. He said, Lord, how often do I have to forgive? And I, undoubtedly, Jesus smiled at Peter because he knew Peter didn't get it. And he said to Peter, he gave a simple story. We've talked about it, preached about it. A story of a guy who owed his master a debt that he could never pay. As a matter of fact, some have a equivalent to 200,000 years worth of labor. Now, how many of you can work 200,000 years to pay off a debt? He owed a debt he could not pay. And he says to his master, have patience and I will pay you. First of all, he could never, ever pay that back. But the master forgave the debt. Whew. Can I tell you, that's us. That's us. We owe God a debt we could never pay, but on Calvary, Jesus said, it is finished. And then that guy went out and found somebody who owed him a little bit of amount, and he said to him the same thing this guy had said to his master. He said to this, this servant, if you give me time, I'll pay you. But he took the servant by the throat and said, pay up. And because he wouldn't, he said, you're going to jail until you pay up. And then the master heard about it and was very disappointed. The master called the servant back and said, How could you not have had compassion on someone else as I have had compassion on you? He said, You're now going to go to jail and you're going to be tormented until you pay the debt. Now think about it. If he owed 200,000 years worth of labor, what was his chance of getting out of jail? 
And then Jesus says this to Peter. So my heavenly Father will do to each of you if from the heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I'm going to tell you this thing of forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you, you say, I've been wronged. I deserve it. And in the natural realm, you may deserve to get even. But in the godly realm, and you say, I want to get even. I just want to get even. I would say you can get even as long as you do it God's way. Ouch. I knew there was a catch. The Bible says overcome evil with good. Why not take them out to eat? Buy them some flowers. Get them a gift card. And by the way, if I get a lot of gift cards this week, I know I've offended a lot of people. <laughs> but you know, when you don't forgive somebody, can't we all agree? Everybody here has been wronged and hurt. I'm going to tell you, you say, that's torment. I mean, when I have something in my heart against somebody, it just eats me alive. I wake up in the middle of the night, I can't even sleep because of what they did to me. I can't even enjoy a meal. I get indigestion because of what they did to me. You know what that's called? Torment. Someone sent me this two days ago on Facebook, and I thought, boy, how appropriate for what I was going to preach. This is what they sent me. I'm hitting it. It's probably going to go past it. Stop. Okay. Somebody sent me this. It was so cool. Let's read it together. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that prisoner was you. That's good. Let's read it one more time. I wish I would have said it. I wish I would have come up with that. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. That really is true. And many of us are carrying around guilt. We're carrying around uh, some unforgiveness, and it's really just eating us alive. And then there's pride. Boy, pride. Can I say we all agree on one thing? We hate pride. There's nothing I hate more than a proud person. Pride, I could count on my hand how many times in my 40 years in ministry somebody has come to me and said, I've, I'm convicted, I'm, I'm a proud person. And normally when I talk about pride, almost every somebody will come up to me and say, man, I wish so-and-so would have been here. They really needed that. <laughs> you say, what, what is pride all about? It's real easy to remember what pride's all about. It's the middle letter, I. The same problem with sin, by the way, it's that big eye. And God says in Proverbs, six things the Lord hates, seven are an abomination, and the very first one it mentions is a proud look. I think pride has destroyed more churches than any kind of a worldly sin. I think pride has destroyed more marriages, more relationships. Pride is that thing that we so hate in others, but we seldom can see in ourselves. And in case you're not sure if you have a problem with pride, ask your children. They can help you out. So a lot of us are carrying baggage that God never intended for us to carry. And this is a message, I think I preached it last year, just this part forward. Let's all say together, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Let's say it one more time. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's the main thing. So what is the main thing? 
if we're going to kind of step back as we start a new chapter in our life, if we're going to reevaluate our life, what is the main thing? I mean, if we're going to give our life, if life is so quick, it would make sense to not waste one day in stuff that really doesn't matter. What is the main thing? In Matthew 22, let's read together. A lawyer asked Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law? What a great question. And so he stepped back as all everything was going on. I said, Jesus, what is, what is it really all about? What is the main thing? Boy, what a great question and what a great person to ask. Now, if you were to ask us, we'd say, well, worship is the main thing. I might say preaching, that's the main thing. Although there's not going to be any preaching in heaven. You guys have been through enough down here. Amen. <laughs> Somebody says evangelism. That's the main thing. That's not what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said. Let's read it together. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Jesus said the main thing is a love relationship with God. And I want to say this, that when you really fall in love with God, you will not want to sin. You will not want to hurt anybody. I mean, you know, we try to clean up our life thinking if we can clean up our life, then we can love God. God says if you love me, I will help you step by step in the process. I didn't say it. Jesus said that to God, the absolute main thing was an intimate love relationship with God. And then he went on to say, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus said, really, if you could summarize the entire Bible in two things. It's a love relationship with God and a love relationship with your fellow man. That's why, by the way, all the Ten Commandments are all about a relationship with God, a relationship with our fellow man. Because if you really love God, you're not going to take his name in vain. If you really love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from him. You're not going to covet your neighbor's wife. You know, it's all about if we can learn to love God and love our neighbor, everything else will come naturally. I tell you, I'm tired of trying to live up to lists, thinking that if I could somehow live up to all these lists, that somehow I will earn God's love. You know what that's called? Phariseeism. The Pharisees were all about performance. But when Jesus walked in their midst, they missed what it was all about. Isn't that sad to think we could be so busy doing church? So I want to ask you today, we're down to our last two slides. How are things in your relationship with God? I mean, I know on the outside, you guys look really spiritual today. You look amazing. You guys look amazing. But how is? If you were to, to rate yourself, is today more than any time in your life, do you love God more today than you ever have? I wonder how many of us, like the skit we did, how many of us have gotten so busy that we've kind of put our relationship with God on the back burner. It's kind of gotten kind of stale. That's hard to admit. I want to close with this. It's an it's a illustration we use when we talk about the main thing, keeping the main thing. Jesus' words to the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2. Great church. In my opinion, probably the greatest church ever, ever I mean, John spent time there, John the Apostle. I think Timothy was there. 
Uh, even Jesus' mother attended the church at Ephesus. How many of you think if Jesus' mother attended there, it got to be pretty cool? By the way, if you ever had a question about Jesus, just go down to the adult five women and ask. Can you imagine having the mother of Jesus hanging out in your Sunday school class? How cool would that be? Anyway, that's something I thought. So Jesus said about this church, they were hitting it on every cylinder. They were just flat getting it done. He said, you're not tolerating those who are evil. You're not tolerating false teachers. You had patience and perseverance. You did not become weary, and you labored for my name's sake. Woo, you were flat getting it done. But he said, as you know, the one verse, verse 4, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Isn't it sad that a church that was hitting on every cylinder got so busy serving God, they lost the honeymoon love? Can I tell you, the first thing to go in our walk with God, the first thing to go in getting us sidetracked is getting us so busy serving God that we forget to fall in love with God. And Jesus said to this church, I, I can't even believe Jesus would say this. He says to the church, if you don't get that one thing right, I'm going to remove your witness. How could he say that to a church that was laboring to the point of exhaustion? They were doing it for his namesake. They weren't tolerating evil. How could he say to this church, if you don't get this one thing right, I'm going to remove your witness. You kind of get the idea that to Jesus... A love relationship is the main thing. And by the way, you say, whatever happened to the church at Ephesus? This is a picture today. If you go to Ephesus, church didn't make it. One of the greatest churches, if not the greatest church ever. Now let me ask you, if the church at Ephesus could get so busy they fell out of love with God, do you think there's a chance that could happen to us? Absolutely. So in 2020, when we begin this new chapter of our life, the last thing I want to tell you is do more, do more, do more. Most of us are doing way more than what God ever called us to do. But I believe all of us here today need to lay aside any baggage that we're carrying that God never meant for us to carry. Some of you haven't forgiven yourself of areas where you have stumbled. Some of us here today still have bitterness against somebody who has wronged us. Probably most of us, if not all of us, struggle with pride. And by the way, you want to know how much pride you have? If you tell me how much time you spend with God, I'll tell you how much pride you have. A person that doesn't spend much time with God has a lot of confidence in themselves. A person that knows they cannot do anything without God is going to spend a lot of time loving on God. My prayer is for 2020, is for us to keep the main thing, the main thing. Let's stand together. If you have your bulletin, by the way, I want you to get your bulletin out. If you'll open it up, the part of the bulletin that you tear off has a visitor's card on it. Down on the inside, at the bottom, there's a piece of luggage. What I'd like for you to do is just tear off that bottom corner, all right? Tear it off. And just take it off there, okay? So as we close, you may have noticed some pieces of paper up here on the, on the altar here. 
These are all pieces of luggage that people have brought from the first two services. People who have said, I've been carrying around stuff that I don't want to carry anymore. I wonder what would happen if we would walk out of here today completely right with God and right with our fellow man. And begin to experience the love of God, which Paul says passes all knowledge. That's what he prayed for the church at Ephesus. If you could just know the height, the depth, the width, the length. If you could just know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. I tell you, when you really fall in love with God, everything will change, will come natural. Some of you guys look wore out in the Christian life. I have. I've been burnt out so many times. Someone said to me one time, I want to close with this. Someone said to me one time, you know why the bush didn't burn out when Moses saw the burning bush? It was somebody, I thought, well, I should know that instead of you. I said, why, why, why didn't the bush burn out? And they said to me, because God was in it. I want to tell you, when God's in what you're doing, you won't burn out. But when you're doing it in your own strength, you're going to get tired, you're going to get burnt out. And I've been there way too many times. I wonder what would happen if in 2020 would be the greatest love story ever. I wonder what would happen if we would all put at the top of our resolution, I want to have a love relationship with God, number one. I believe to God he would be most pleased. So as, as David plays softly, Maybe God's already kind of put something on you and you already know there's some baggage you need to leave. Maybe you want to slip out and just put it up here on the altar. Just doing that, you're saying to God, I don't want to carry it anymore. Some of us are going to have to make phone calls this week. Some of us are going to have to make some things right. But I want to tell you, I mean, we want to be right with God. We want to experience the love of God. So as David plays, if you need to go to somebody, you go to him. If you need to slip out and come, you just lay it here. Uh, just as the Lord leads, if God's not leading you to get out, just right where you are, would you just love on God and just feel him reach down and love on you? Even though you're a work in progress, he absolutely loves you. And he is committed to you 24-7. We're going to have some tough times this year. The only way I know we're going to make it is by the grace of God. So as David plays, I just want you to be obedient to the Lord. If you need to slip out and come, you come. If you need to go to somebody, go to somebody. If not, just right where you are. I just want you to love on God and let him reach down and love on you. Just for this moment. Love you guys. I want to have a word of prayer and then we're going to close with a song. If you guys haven't got a chance to look through the cards, we have a rack out there. We want to try to get rid of that rack in a week or so. So stop by sometime in the next day or so and just kind of look through it. If you have any cards, please take them with you. Let's pray for the greatest year ever. And again, not about what we perform, but just about falling in love with God. Let's pray together and then we'll have our closing song. Father, there's no way with words to express the incredible love you have for us. And God, I pray that I would not live one day in 2020 just doing the best I can or just trying harder and trying to perform. 
But God, I believe, pray that every day I would just walk in the Spirit, just allow you to flow through all that I say and do, that Lord, I know that without you I can do nothing, and yet through you I can do all things. So fill us with your Spirit. Father, may we experience your love like never before in 2020. In Jesus' name.